Hello you lovely lot and welcome to episode 121 of Near Perfect Pitch. Well this week the programme is brought to you by Steve Sullivan, the Mint Yo-Yo and uh, Frank Sidebottom accompanied by his Twiglets. I'm going to be talking to Steve Sullivan, the brainchild behind the wonderful Being Frank documentary that was released uh, just a handful of days ago about Frank Sidebottom, the man, the legend that he is. You've got that to look forward to in its entirety at the end of the programme amidst the usual special features and a litany of new releases and loads and loads of nifty, nifty catalogue. We'll start this week with uh, another sad note. It seems the last few shows, unfortunately, we've been celebrating the lives of people. Um, people that have had uh, substantial lives, like Scott Walker, for instance. But this week, I learned just uh, a couple of days ago that uh, we lost hers. And by hers, it's her apostrophe S, a band from Liverpool who uh, I'm very fond of, as are thousands of other people. Both members of the group, unfortunately, Stephen and uh, Auden, as well as their tour manager, Trevor, were killed in a car crash in Arizona early on Wednesday whilst uh, on the US tour. Very, very tragic and uh, wanted to play you something by hers to remember them by and hopefully it will impel you to go and buy their material. They'll be missed. Here's Love on the Line. Call now.
The Japanese House, they're from London, and that's a track off of the brand new Good at Falling LP. The Japanese House.bandcamp.com is where you can get their work, and that's a tune entitled Wild. And we kicked off the program episode 121 of Near Perfect Pitch with Love on the Line, Call Now by Hers. Sad, sad, sad news in that Stephen and Odin uh, of the band, uh, the entire band essentially, with Trevor, the tour manager. Uh, were killed in a car crash um, about five days ago in uh, in Arizona. Very, very sad news. And we just heard a song of their second and sadly last LP from from last year, Introduction 2. And the, 
uh, URL that you need to, to, to take note of to get their material is thatbandofhers.com. Again, thatbandofhers.com. Next up, the chapel. Let's play. 
marvellous Veronica Falls with Broken Toy. And that's one of two songs you're going to hear off this week's Essential Wax. Before I get into more detail about this week's Essential Wax, I'll tell you what we heard before we heard Veronica Falls. We heard off 2008's The Chapel of Dreams LP. That's The Chapel with a tune called Perfect Blue. Absolutely gorgeous stuff that is. And don't forget, before we heard The Chapel, we heard the Japanese house with wild. Now, everything indie over 40 or a bunch of folk, music folk, just like you, just like me. You need to join their throngs, everything indie over 40.com. Join the community and reap the rewards of being reminded of just all the wonderful music that we've experienced in our life. And it's a very sharing place. So go on, hop on it, join that. Veronica Falls, who are they? Well, they were formed in London in 2009 and the band consisted of uh, Roxanne Clifford and James Hoare. Now James Hoare's in another band uh, right now. I'm going to be talking to him in a week or so. He's going to be on the programme so we will touch upon uh, some Veronica Falls material as well. The members of the band were formerly in the bands previously of uh, The Royal We and Sexy Kids. More information coming up about the record. It's called Waiting for Something to Happen from 2013 on Bella Union Record, the second LP by Veronica Falls. Now let's hear another one of the four singles off the record. Let's hear Teenage.
Primal Scream, aided there by uh, by Kate Moss. That's Some Velvet Morning. That's a track that features on a Lee Hazelwood tribute record from 2016 entitled Son of a Gun and More from the Lee Hazelwood songbook. And before we heard the wonderful tune by Primals and, uh, and Kate there, we heard Veronica Falls, the second track of uh, the Essential Wax feature this week. We heard Teenage, we had two singles off the record, Teenage and Broken Toy, off Waiting for Something to Happen from 2013 by Veronica Falls, as brought to you by Everything Indie, over40.com. Next up, Daniel Dark with uh, Les Remors. It's off his fifth LP from 2008, entitled Amour Supreme. But before I do get into a bit of Daniel Dark, came out wrong that didn't it really um i need to impress upon you that uh, there's a new regime here at near perfect pitch i've upped the ante in terms of levels of seriousness um you'll notice if you're a regular listener and you have been for quite some time that that the podcast is available everywhere now like and by everywhere i mean flipping everywhere um so i've reached a stage where i uh, i want to get a little bit more serious with the program but i don't want to spoil your listening pleasure and inundate you with adverts so i've set up this page called uh, patreon now patreon is a website designed for people who appreciate other people's content to contribute to their cause so if you feel like a monthly donation to the program go to patreon.com slash near perfect pitch and if it's a fiver or a tenner a month i would be very grateful because it takes me about 15 hours to uh, do everything associated with this program that's record it playlist it arrange the interviews post-production uploading graphic art you know the score all that stuff here's daniel dark
C'est magnifique, n'est-ce pas? That's uh, Les Remords by Daniel Dark. That means remorse, I believe, uh, on anglais. And that's off his 2008 LP, Amour Suprême. We lost Daniel in uh, 2013. What a talent. And if you've listened to uh, the back episodes, of which there are 120, I've interviewed Bill Pritchard on a couple of occasions. And Bill is, uh, well, he's... Uh, seriously a PR department for, for Daniel Dark and he's, he's worked with him even even uh, made a, a record with him uh, way back when and uh, anyway to those of you that know fantastic those of you that don't welcome to Daniel Dark next up you get a break from my little voice it's a hat trick it's thematic it's pseudo clever not really clever just a little bit clever don't send your sons to war hat trick here's the jam Our only contact was a form for the election These days are fine to tie down Listen, these days are fine that we're out of touch These days are fine, the time too busy So why the attention now you want my assistance? What have you done for me?
That's a pretty tidy hat trick, I reckon. Now that was Death Dream by Frightened Rabbit and ordinarily I, I can't listen to Frightened Rabbit without getting a bit weepy but since the passing of Scott it's even more so in terms of an emotional experience listening to Frightened Rabbit. That's the lead track to 2016's painting of a panic attack and a tune called Death Dream. Beautiful stuff. 
in the middle of the, the hat trick, we had the Black Angels of their fourth LP, 2013's Indigo Meadow. And really sage advice here, don't play with guns. And kicking things off, the first of three in the hat trick from Setting Suns from 79, the Jam's fourth long player, an LP track entitled Little Boy Soldiers. Used to play that to death at the LP when I was a kid. And... Uh, it had an embossed sleeve, in case you can remember. Don't send your sons to war, hat-trick. That's what you just heard. So uh, I'll tell you now, we're halfway, not we're not, we're a third of the way through the programme is what we are. And I'm trying to get my iPad to, to cooperate here so I can actually read stuff to you. Now, I told you before that you can look forward to an interview with Steve Sullivan, who is the man behind seven years plus of feverish work putting together the Frank Sidebottom story, DVD, etc., film, Blu-ray, you name it. Being Frank, it is a work of brilliance, and that's coming up at the end of the programme. I mentioned to you that, of course, that all the special features are happening again this week. I don't think there are any omissions. We've got Tinterweb time coming up in a bit. In as much as we've got Cover Me, we've renamed Losing One Shit, and I'll get into that a little bit later. We've got Weekly Peel and, of course, our interview feature. Now then, I can tell you, new release-wise, what you can expect to hear. Next up, new material by The Catherines, the very, very busy The Catherines, uh, and then some new material by Callow Youth, The Fernway. We've got uh, new material by Far Caspian. And what else have we got new material by? Oh, yes, we've got Rachel Goswell uh, helping out American football on a new release of theirs. And there's also new material by Sleeper of their first LP in 21 years. And amongst all that, you've got uh, our Peel track, which is Sensor this week. We've also got uh, some material here by, hang on, what am I talking about here? There's another new release here, Alkabine from Denmark. There's something off their new LP as well. Some Still Corners, some Test Parks. Oh, it's a good one. And even some Malcolm McLaren coming up round the corner. But for now, let's hear the latest single from London's Heavy Heart. Here's Dowsabelle. Didn't I? 
Heiko and the Catherines with their latest single, So Much Time, the Catherines.bandcamp.com. Heiko is a hyper busy chap. He's been on the program before. You need to get into the Catherines. That's all I can say. Again, the Catherines.bandcamp.com. And before that, Heavy Heart from London. We are heavyheart.bandcamp.com. That's their latest and greatest. Now it's time to listen to some musical deity.
That's Pumpkinhead Escapes. That's this week's obligatory fall oh, track. That's the B-side to Ed's Babe from 1992. Before that, take the long way round. The meticulous Teenage Fan Club, a track off uh, the Fanny 6th LP, Songs from Northern Britain, from 1997. Now, we are halfway through the programme and it's time to go to Manchester again uh, off the band's second release, the Vibe Demos EP. Listenable on all digital streaming platforms, not yet available to buy, I don't believe, but uh, follow them, Callow Youth. They are rather, rather good. Facebook.com slash band. Here's Into the Sun, the Vibe Demo. Them get you down It's not worth the pain You found And we'll roll We'll roll So far from here Into the soul Into the soul 
the new single from the Fernway and that is available everywhere as they say called sunrise soundcloud.com slash the Fernway it's out on skeleton key records you can also uh, snag it uh, from them I would expect and before we heard the fantastic Fernway who've been on the program incidentally we heard callow youth from Manchester off the vibe demos EP available uh, at all of their repositories go to facebook.com slash callow youth band and then uh, find your way from there again Manchester's callow youth off their second release the vibe demos EP now boys and girls it's time for a wee bit of this well what that means is it's tinterweb time boys and girls and quite simply that's uh, this week's weekly heaping of digital fodder and ephemera now i stumbled upon this this week never heard of it before uh, but it's been around for quite a while it's jimmy smith versus marky smith do you remember when um when mark read the football results on uh, final score in 2005 i've played that in its entirety on the program at least a couple of times anyway he's doing the very same here but accompanied by jazz icon jimmy smith and it's rather cool uh, the the video url is in the show notes as all the urls are but if you just do a keyword search jimmy smith versus mark e smith you will find it and uh, i think i'll play a little uh, sampling for for you i'm just trying to uh, queue it up for you while i'm trying to be clever and kill two birds with one stone and it's not working at all now it is so i'm going to play a little uh, a little bit listen to this and uh, I'll give you a, a bit of an idea of what i'm talking about regulars will be aware of this ace piece of music barclays premiership Manchester United, three. Chelsea, three. So there you have it. You get the idea, don't you? Anyway, that is this week's Tinterweb Time. Jimmy Smith versus Marquis Smith. Football jazz score. Right, next up, some Far Caspian.
Back in Nagasaki, I got married to Jojo San. That was her name in those days when I was her man. I'm going back to visit her. She got a problem. She got a little Jojo. Jojo San was her name. And Mr. Taylor Wolf. Take it away, Jojo.
remarkable. Great stuff that. That's Malcolm McLaren. Madame Butterfly and Belle di Vedromo. That's uh, from 1984 and features on his second solo LP fans from the same year. And before we heard that wonderful tune by Malcolm, we heard Far Caspian there from Leeds, and that's their latest single, A Dream of You. They are rather good, aren't they? Soundcloud.com slash far hyphen Caspian to find out what they're up to. Next up, let's go to 2015 and hear something by Tess Parks and the Auras. They're from Toronto. And let's hear something uh, off uh, the... Uh, and let's hear a song called I Believe in Everything. The Auras 1 as in number one dot bandcamp dot com.
last year's fantastic slow airs lp that's their latest release that's london's still corners with black lagoon that's a gorgeous tune isn't it and before we heard that i believe in everything that's test park and the auras they're from to they're from tarana that's from 2015 next up it's time for a cover version and this week we're going to get a bit of double jeopardy actually it's going to be a cover version but it's a cover version of a song by the fall 
You know me well enough, don't you? There's a band called Flesh Eating Foundation. Not the most appealing name on the planet, I must admit. Flesheatingfoundation.bandcamp.com However, and I say that again, however, they do a nifty version of Pat Trip Dispenser.
Well, that's proof positive that the Dream Syndicate are phenomenal. That's filter me through of uh, 2017's How Did I Find Myself Here? That is uh, featuring the brilliant Steve Wynn, and he's on next week's programme. I, I spoke with Steve yesterday, brilliant interview, and uh, he will be on the show next week with Dig This, Will You Not, Imperial Wax, i.e. the remaining members of The Fall prior to Mark's passing. They have a new album 
just around the corner and a teaser single that I'll be playing for you next week, uh, amongst other things as my chair creaks. So you've got lots to look forward to next week in the shape of Steve Wynn and Imperial Wax being on the programme. Before we heard the superb The Dream Syndicate, we heard Flesh Eating Foundation, flesheatingfoundation.bandcamp.com. They're from Stratford and they just gave us a wonderful rendition of The Falls Pat Trip Dispenser to check the box next to uh, this week's Cover Me, this week's cover version. Now, as I uh, click the mouse here, it's now time to listen to something from Denmark off their second and new release, Confessions. Here's Alkabine with Itchy Skin. Denmark. That's Alkabine, and that's something brand new of their second and latest release, Confessions. That's Itchy Skin, alkabine.bandcamp.com. Now it's time for another special feature. This time um, it's, a, it's a rename feature. It used to be called Losing One Shit. I got a bit tired of that, to be honest, uh, even though it is uh, 
evocative it is something that you are doing whilst listening to it but i've changed the name it's called tune this uh, i.e a tune that uh, just does it for you that's uh, either old new or ancient but it's one of those songs that just get you moving get you moving get you get the babington racket out in front of the in front of the mirror and uh, parade around like an idiot which is what i do on a regular basis at home even in the general public and driving a car i don't care i'm, I'm past caring at my age so uh, if it's a good tune i should be losing it in accordance with uh, the tunes concerned in this case it's the silences and uh, it's the blues mix to their lead track to their wlp a letter from saint paul that came out in 87 here's the blues mix of painted moon it's it's lovely i 
week's tune this the renamed losing one shit rolling back the years drawing the curtains and going chicken oriental with reckless abandon was brought to you by the silencers painted moon that's the blues mix and it is a gem is it not now let's hear something by american football now they're from champaign illinois it's off their brand new and self-titled album also entitled lp3 americanfootball.bandcamp.com now this is a track called i can't feel you and it's got the wonderful vocals of Rachel Goswell accompanying the band. Get into this.
subtlety I can diffuse most anything But you make my head explode
They're back after 21 years, that's the title track, to their brand new LP. Snag it at pledgemusic.com slash project slash sleeper hyphen new hyphen album. And that's the modern age, as I mentioned, that's the title track to the new record. And before that, we heard American Football with Rachel Goswell assisting with the vocals, I Can't Feel You. And that is off their brand new and self-titled LP entitled uh, LP3 as well as being self-titled. I can't quite figure it out to be truthful. And next it's time for our weekly peel. We're going to go back to 1994 and we're going to hear some censor. And uh, this is uh, something that was released on Ultimate Records and censor were a band that were uh, they were quite rowdy and they had something to say. Here's Peanut Head.
It makes no difference if the brothers keep testing me So they're all over the neighborhood and we Many, many people like us eat us They come and carry us, strengthen up a barrier Forced by the media, whole time feeding you Sanitized images of the gunman But no one never run, man Because it can't be done, understand You're trying to come government slick to make cash quick Cause you think it's the new lick It's just another trick, call it abandoned Got my hand on nothing but the mic Cause it's the fat skills that I like Part of a cycle, vicious witches Eating up communities whole But you don't feel the impacts Because you just sold your syntax Yeah, bad boy, man There will be shooting guns playing Think of all the positive stuff You could be saying but a day in The life of a gangster sells cleaner Making quick cash off a cool misdemeanor Man, I've seen you cursing women And line of your exploits So just skip the step straight to the point The guns ain't the wicked The bullets ain't the wicked And as for the lifestyle I never pick it Your guns ain't the wicked Your bullets ain't the wicked, man yeah, that's right
sherry hall what a geezer what a fridge freezer what a lemon squeezer that's uh, terry hall aiding the dub pistols with a single from 2003 and that's a tune called problem is and that is a gem is it not peanut head by sensor before that from march 1994 that was this week's weekly peel now at the tail end of the program we've got five songs to go and they are all frank sidebottom and uh, chris cv related now the interview is forthcoming with steve sullivan and he's chosen some songs for me to play and everyone's a winner really when it comes to frank Person who shops at the British Hall stores. 
Fantastic timply start to my CD. Do you like my CD? It's called uh, A B C D, little friend. Don't you think that's clever? Why? What does that stand for? Well, it stands for absolutely brilliant compact disc. More like absolutely bobbins. Oh, shut up! Right, do you fancy some football? Oh yes, I see you've got a city shirt on on the front. Oh yes, always true to me team. But you used to be an Altrincham fan. No, no, I was never that. You're just trying to cash in on our ways. Shut up! Right, here we go. Superb. There's a couple of Frank tunes for you, as chosen by Steve himself. We heard Wild Thing, and then before that we heard Hey You Street Artist. Now, it's over to me, and Steve, you are going to be the recipients of quite a sound, sound education. All things Frank Sidebottom and Chris Seavey coming up. Enjoy this, and I'll be back with uh, three more tunes. Yes, three, and my goodbyes after this. Hi. All right, Steve, how are you? Hi, yeah. You're not the uh, Canadian voice I was expecting. But mm. I just remembered you told me you were coming. But... Yeah, yeah. How are things? I've just turned the camera off just for um, just for uh, saving bandwidth. Just uh... no, no problem. I've just turned mine off, and now you'll never know that I was in my pajamas. <laughs> well, good. yeah, you'll never know my secret either, Steve. At this point. Oh my so... God! Turn the camera off. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> how are things? You must be very, very happy. I am uh, not quite at that stage yet. Um, people keep telling me how proud I, I, I must be, but um, I'm still working and I'm still getting people going, where's, where's the download you promised me? Where's my DVD? Um, so when everybody in the world has had the copy that I promised them, right. and everybody's okay, uh, then I intend to be um, happy. Happy and, uh, then, and then get, get a well-deserved rest, I would imagine, at the same time. Happy followed by hide. <laughs> the rest of the world for the rest of my life. Well, well, first of all, let's 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 start at the beginning, shall we? I sound like uh, Julie Andrews, but um, if, if we start at the beginning and and talk about how you first became enamoured with 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 uh, with Chris and Chris's work, um, at, at what point did that happen with you? Uh, well, I, I, I first became first of all, I didn't know anything about Chris Seaver. I'd never heard of him. Uh, what I'd heard of was Frank was Frank Sidebottom. Yeah. Uh, which for um, so uh, yeah, the first thing that I was aware of was Frank Sidebottom, not Chris Seavey, um, because we're talking about um, if any of your listeners in Canada or elsewhere don't know, we're talking about a man in a papier mâché head called Frank Sidebottom, who was a fictitious, <laughs> clearly fictitious um, uh, person. What do you mean? What so, do you mean fictitious? Uh, you, you've lost me. No, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, it, but, he wasn't fictitious. He was just a man in a fake head. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. was very definitely real. Uh, but that was the thing is that people thought Frank was real because you just accepted him as real because whoever was inside, the mystery man inside him, 
was investing it in so much life and reality and um, fun that you just took it at face value. This this is this is a guy called Frank Sidebottom. Um, so that's what I was aware of, uh, and that kind of stems back to my childhood because I grew up in Lancashire in the northwest of England, and uh, kind of in the northwest, Frank is not just like a known uh, like entertainment figure. He was like a folk hero, you know. He was he was just like a living legend. Um, so everybody knew Frank Sidebottom. He was always on local telly. He was always on local radio. Yeah. You, you could you just bump into him in the street if you went to to Temple in Manchester. He'd just be there messing about. Um, so I was so I was aware of that, and I and I used to see him on things like um, Number Seventy Three, which was a Saturday morning kids show uh, on ITV. Yeah. Um, but at, around the time that Frank became kind of nationally famous in the UK from doing his kids shows, I wasn't really watching kids TV anymore. I, I, had, a, I had a Saturday job in a comic shop, um, and I was about fourteen years old. So my first encounter with him really was Frank Sidebottom phoned up the comic shop. <laughs> and, I, and I answered the phone and, and got this guy with a very nasal Mancunian voice um, going, um, it's, it's Frank Sidebottom, it's the guy off the telly. And I thought, oh, it's the guy with the head. Um, and, it, and it turned out that my boss had booked him to do a personal appearance at the, at the comic shop. And Frank was phoning up to find out all the details you'd need to know if you were going to do a personal appearance, like how much do I get paid, where shall we park, how long do you want me to stay for, what do you want me to do, you know, all those kind of like sensible questions. Um, so I got, I got my boss to come and talk to him on the phone, and I was just staring over going, wow, he's talking to Frank Sidebottom, the guy with the head off the telly. Um, and um, about a minute into the conversation, my boss just looked at the receiver of the phone in a really confused way and put the phone down and just walked away. And, I mean, I, I was brought up, we're talking about the 1980s now, and back then, certainly in Britain, you answered the phone and you said the number. It yes. Was that, it, was that, it was a really formal thing to do, to be on the telephone. Um, and we called it the telephone, not the phone, I might add. Um, but, um, so you certainly said goodbye to people. Um, and, and to not do that would be like the height of rudeness. So um, uh, I, I went and found my boss, and he was still in the storeroom at the back, and he looked totally confused, this grown man. And um, I said, you didn't say goodbye to Frank Sidebottom. What happened? And he said, well, I would have said goodbye to him, but... We got about halfway through the conversation, and then Frank all of a sudden just shouted, "Oh, I've got to go! My mum's just coming!" and slammed the phone down. <laughs> so, and I, and I was just there as a kid, going, "Who would do that? Who would like sabotage their own business arrangements and not get all the information they needed just for a joke? Um, what kind of mind would do that? Who is this guy with this fake head, and what's he about?" So, it, so it just stuck in my in my in my head. Um, from a young age of what is going on there um, and, th and then Frank kind of disappeared in the 1990s he, he kind of just stopped being on the telly and he stopped being everywhere and I, and I stopped thinking about it for a while and it was only in kind of um, in the early 2000s I, I, I kind of become a filmmaker by that point and um, I, I remember having a friend who I saw around at his house he had a Frank Sidebottom CD and I said, you've got a whole CD of Frank Sidebottom. How, how could that guy, who's just like some, you know, guy in a in a fake head, how could he have like made enough music that he could have filled an entire CD with it? Um, and he just looked at me and he said, this is not what you think. There's something else going on there. Take it, take it home and listen to it. So I did. 
And then when I pressed play on the CD, this like whole world that Frank Sidebottom had suddenly came spilling out of the CD. And you realize that, oh, this is massive. This is like a huge creation that he's, that he's him, this guy's invented. Um, but I still didn't know who he was. And I said to my friend, look, I want to get in touch with him because he's apparently he's having a comeback. And I'm a filmmaker and I want to work with him. I want to send him my work and, and see if there's any way we could collaborate on anything. And he said, well, there's only one way to get in touch with Frank Sidebottom. There's a PO box in Timpoli, this, this obscure village on the outskirts of Manchester where this character supposedly came from. Um, so I wrote to him, and, with, and if he got my letter the next day, he must have written straight back to me because I had his reply the day after. And it just said, come on Sunday, bring a fantastic film crew. He, he didn't say what we were going to be doing. Um, just just come to Timpoli. Um now, I, I mean, I live in Wales, so it's, I'm not even in the right country, but, um, you know, I you <laughs> don't turn those things down. So I immediately just, I rounded up a, you know, camera person, the sound recorders, and we, and we went to Timpley, and, and it turned out what he was doing was, it was Frank Sidebottom having a day out around his local village, where the, where the joke is, it's just a village, you know, it, it's got the same lack of amenities as any other small place. Um, but he wanted to show 100 of his, like, biggest fans on an open-top bus, a guided tour of this village where we would show you how amazing it is and, and um, like we've got a chip shop let's see <laughs> let's see how many people we can pack into the chip shop at once and see if we can set the world record for the for the number of people in a chip shop um, but but then he also wanted to show us like outside the Templey post office there's two post boxes not one but two um, and that to Frank was magical you know he used to say there's one post box for left-handed people and one for right-handed people. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so he was just this kind of master of taking the everyday like minutiae and turning it into something imaginative and magical, and that's kind of what I saw that day. Um, but I but I met Chris Seavey, the man inside the head, for about five minutes that day. I spent most of the day with Frank Sidebottom, and the five minutes I spent with Chris made no sense whatsoever, and and it, and it left me with more questions than, than it answered. That is a marvelous answer. Uh, that, that's succinct and marvelous. I. I I always I always ask people who who are fans of the man, of course, a very similar question. You know, how did you get into Chris? And your 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 introduction to him is is it's like many is is that you 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 put two and two together down the line of of, of his career. You know, being introduced to a papier mâché head, then realizing, hang on, there's this massive oeuvre of work, and then then finding about video games, and then oink, and then then sort of it must be a wonderful retroactive. Um, age of discovery for someone to go back and, and, and discover every nuance of, of, of Frank. I, I sort of, I was sort of born in the born in the northwest and and, and and brought up in that culture, and always bought his records early and even his cassettes. And yeah. it was very much an, an, an audio thing post post freshies really. Uh, and then then when then, then the, when we started to get onto TV, I was lucky enough to go to some of the remote control um, recordings and right. and. Um, Got my fair share of memorabilia from that, but it was a wonderful thing to map his his progression. An entirely different viewpoint that I've had to yours, because to me it just seems such, such an anomaly for for someone who is putting out these indie records on in tape, and then all of a sudden he's on telly, and then becomes a little bit larger than life. And then outside of the parochial, um, you get a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stunned looking faces south of the Midlands, not quite understanding. It's a la, a, la, a la John Cooper Clark, if you like, in, in terms of real parochial, 
um, wonderful. Essentially, he, he he's the, the best thing that's happened to the Timperley Board of Tourism ever. And 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 so <laughs> he, he was the Timperley. Exactly. Yeah, he he was the, the de facto Timperley Board of Tourism. So yeah, exactly. So it's just wonderful how, how that came to fruition in terms of you being a filmmaker, and then this introduction to him becoming, you know, effectively the magical yeah. Tim, the magical Timperley tour. But you, but you know what? That parochialism is so special, and it goes on around us all the time. It rarely gets recorded, and and it gets lost all the time. You know, um, and and particularly in Britain, we're we're so is homogenised the right word? We're, we're so standardised now in Britain. If you go back in the eighties, the kind of the era that we're talking about, if you went to a different town, it was a different town. Hundred um, percent. Whereas. Whereas now, if you go to a different town, it's the same as your town. It's the same shops. It's the same culture. It's just a national cultural agenda. Um, there's very little local culture ever gets a chance to have a breathing space or uh, gets promoted. And not that Frank particularly got promoted either. It's just that he, this guy rammed it down your throat. Exactly. Um, he was relentless. It, relentless. He was yeah. absolutely relentless. Um, and he just championed where he was from and what he was about and um, and he made it special and he made it um, well he made it so rich a, a kind of creation that you know there's people like me who you know nearly 10 years after he's sadly passed away are still looking into his life and his work and going this is this is really worth something it, it, it really is and, and you must well first of all it's a it's an enviable posi position that you're in whereby I just can't imagine much more joy than unearthing uh, stuff from Frank that has never seen light of day. I mean, you've been you've been fantastic in engaging everybody through through Kickstarter and keeping us up updated and, and and giving us these Easter eggs, if you like, these little bonus bits of stuff you've stumbled upon. Um, it must just be a joy coming across a series of sketches or. Uh, you know, or, or, or a comic storyboard, or a, or, or a little Frank uniform that never got used. I mean, and of course, there's there's there's, there's the uh, the display in Manchester right now. There's the uh, there's the uh, the Frank the Frank Bobbins Bob the uh, the exhibition. Yeah, the exhibition, yeah. and my my social media is inundated with that. I only wish I could be there. It looks absolutely wonderful. But I'm looking at so much stuff, saying, oh, I've got something like that in the basement. I've got to dig some stuff out. I'm actually going to send some photos once I find this stuff and send them to you. Because I've got a few, a few Frank goodies somewhere in the basement. I've just got to dig them out, really. But anyway, but back, back to back to Kickstarter, and 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 uh, you you got this this wonderful idea after having had this exposure to Frank, calling him one minute, and then before you know it, driving up from Wales and, and you know being on a magical mystery tour, and that's two thousand and eight. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, 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 said, look, we said let's keep in touch, basically. And, well, I mean, the immediate thing that happened after the Magic Tempty Tour, I've got to say, is that Chris said to me, um, uh, I said, what do you want to do about the opening credits of the documentary? And he said, um, he said, oh, it needs to have handwritten titles for Magical Tempty Tour. I said, brilliant, you do those, I'll edit the film, and you send me the titles, and we'll make it into a title sequence. Uh, well, he never sent the titles. He, he sent me so many messages telling me he was going to do them, um, and uh, it even ended up with one night when I'd edited the film, and I said, I absolutely have to have the titles, and if, I, if you don't send them, I'm just going to get my guy to just digitally recreate your your writing style, and we'll make a digital version of the titles, and it'll look great. And he's like, no, 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 it's got to be hand-drawn. Hand um, but this is, this is a good illustration of the man and how he thought. Um, I, I remember breaking down in my car one night, um, and uh, whilst waiting for like the tow truck to come and take me away, 
um, messaging him and just going, right, it's it's now or never. You either, you either do these hand-drawn titles for this documentary you're doing or you don't. And he was like, oh, yes, boss, uh, I'm definitely going to do it. And uh, in fact, I'll do it in a minute. And then he sent me another text going, uh, yeah, I've, I've just got the felt-tip pens out and I've just started doing the hand-drawn titles. <laughs> Um, and then I got another text just going, um, I'm doing them, and they're looking fantastic. Um, and, I got, and then I got another text going, I'm nearly finished, boss, and, uh, and, and you're going to be really chuffed with them, really, they are fantastic. And then I got another text going, I've done them, and I'm going to put them in the post box tomorrow. And then another text going, I'm going to put them in the post box right now to you, um, and then you'll probably get them tomorrow. Um, and then I got another text going, I've posted them, they're definitely on the way. Well, listen. These, these hand-drawn titles, they never, ever arrived. Um, and so I ended I'm up doing so the documentary and sending it to him and going, there it is, it's done. And I had a, le- had a letter back from him straight away going, oh, it's brilliant, I absolutely love it. The only thing is, though, the, the, uh, the titles should have been hand-drawn. <laughs> oh. So he was, he was uh, you know, there were moments like that where even now I don't know whether he was just winding me up for a laugh um, or... He, he was such a chaotic, creative figure that he just thought he'd done it, or um, or who knows. But we are talking about, for people who don't know him, you know, probably one of the most idiosyncratic and eccentric performers ever to come out of Britain. And the way this man thought is not the way most people think. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he was also a man that was impelled to create and he, he primarily created for himself and if, if by osmosis other people liked it that was that was the bonus wasn't it yeah i don't think i don't think he was a, he was a compulsive creative and he never ever stopped creating and you know we're talking about a guy who he died too young he was only 54 when he died but the the amount of work i will never ever be able to get across to anybody clearly how much work he left behind how much i've had to go through to make this film uh, we're talking like a hundred boxes of his own personal possessions, um, diaries, notebooks, costumes, props, um, home movies, um, in every type of for film and video format, audio cassettes, um, just tons and tons of material. And then his fans started sending me material as well. And I had people sending me like hard drives with 50 Frank Sidebottom shows on them. Oh, the wow. Video, you know, like 52 hour uh, bootlegs. Um, you know, and that happened multiple times. So, I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah. of footage. And then I started interviewing everybody who knew this mysterious figure as well, generating like another 150 hours of footage. So it has been crunched down over like seven years from hundreds of hours of footage to make this documentary and to just really discover who, who Chris Seavey was um, and who was the guy behind Frank Sidebar. Well, I, I'm I'm just I'm privileged because I, I I eventually got to watch the electronic copy because I'm I've, I've got a physical copy on route because I was one of those first inners very very chuffed to be on the uh, well involved in a, a tiny tiny way it's just a, it's just a, it's a nice thing for a fan like myself to just have a, a tiny little bit of involvement but having watched it and, and uh, it's something I I have to watch over and over because I, I as you probably remember yesterday's I'm a bit of technical difficulties trying to get get a copy of it so I watched it. Uh, not as I'd like to. I watched it on uh, watched it on my iPad. I'm going to watch it later tonight uh, in the old full surround sound uh, with 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 all the family out of the room, so I can concentrate and watch on it myself. But my, my first my first watch, I'm just blown away how I, I can only imagine, as you've already alluded to, the just 
the the, the immense amount of material that Frank uh, that Chris you know left left behind whether it's whether it's sketches whether it's props as you allude to and, and any other form of video which of course range from super 8 to, to you name it I mean he had everything yeah. didn't he uh, and, it's, and, it's, and it was Chris and Frank that left this stuff behind because you know in that archive we're talking about the complete lives of two separate people yes one of whom, one of whom is is was not real <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was in hiding uh, from the public. So, um, you know, there was two separate lives in there. Yeah, and I'm glad that you pointed that out because that's, that's essential to know. And you've already touched upon that in the beginning in that, you know, Chris being this, this. I mean, very few people could, could point Chris out in a crowd, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a mugshot, even in, in, a, in a police lineup because he was just so, he was just so introverted. But we became, became so familiar with Frank that, that the opposite happened, whereby we became so tangibly attracted to the the fiction and patently oblivious to the reality of Chris behind behind the scenes. I, I can't think of any precedent, to be frank, Steve. I can't think of any parallels here in the industry or otherwise. A truly, truly unique individual in every capacity. Yeah, we get you get other character comedians who who do like one character for their entire career, but. You always know who is the person playing it. That's it. I, I can't think of any other entertainment figure ever who was purely hidden inside their role and, and wouldn't allow you to know who it was. And it was that mystery, I think, of who is the guy in the papier-mâché head. I mean, that drove, that drove people mad, you know, in the 80s and 90s. People wanted to know. And you get you meet people who said, I didn't want to know because that would ruin it. But, but I mean, it, it was a big draw for people. Um, and also, you know, it's hard to forget as well that, that Frank was a big draw just anyway because he was so wildly entertaining and anarchic. Um, people just loved him. They just talked to him completely and, you know, they, they loved that, that persona that he created of like um, a, a kind of really stupid Superman um, who thinks he can do anything at all like Superman but, but he usually can't and it usually ends in chaos. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good analogy as well. And, and you know, in, 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 in being a fan myself and trying to indoctrinate people along the way, I mean, if I can turn my mother and father into Frank fans and just countless other people who I've come across over the course of time, it makes me happy. It feels like I've got some kind of gospel. I feel like some kind of advocate and uh, some kind of uh, Kool-Aid drinker when it comes to Frank because it holds a special place in my heart. And it's especially rewarding to me when I can... Uh, play something or, or, or goodness knows make a mixtape or, or, or whatever it might be for somebody and say look you've got to listen to this and they can be North American they can be Australasian and they can they can find something in it that of course it's going to be different to someone coming from uh, coming from the northwest of England uh, or, or Lanx what have you but uh, there's something for everybody and I'm just so happy that you've not only done this uh, but you've done it so well but it's going to it's going to create a massive new uh, untapped audience to to showcase the genius of this man, and it's going to cross borders. And I'm just not, not just talking county borders; we're talking countries and continents now, whereby people are going to be familiar with this man, and maybe not uh, as cognizant of some of the real sort of uh, drilled down peccadilloes of the chap uh, if he were from uh, his own back garden. But there, there is something for everybody, and I'm just so happy that that this is this to me is. is it could not be a better film to showcase the man and and to also touch upon the mystery which you've also yourself touched upon which to me is a very important component of 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 frank as as you've already said the man the man behind behind the mask has always been um, there's always been that human mystery and, and that impulsion to 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 
to, to, to wonder whether it's Kendo Nakasaki wrestling or, or, or whatever the heck it might be. But I also want to point out to you that this, this show is it's, it's, it's recorded in Canada, but it's a global audience, so lots of listeners back home are going to be well, well, uh, well versed in this, but by the same token, I've got listeners in Indonesia who this is going to be a complete revelation for, so it's, it's yeah, great. It's I, great. Only got, I only got people now Googling Kendo Nakasaki. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, look up Giant Haystacks as well while you're at it. Um, so, so are, are you sufficiently um, uh, busy filmmaking? Is, is that really all that you're doing? I mean, I, I mean that in the best well, possible today, way. Today, what we're speaking is actually the day that this film comes out in the UK, which yes. is like uh, where the biggest audience and most interest is. So, yeah. um, uh, I've sp- but I've, you know, re- really, in some ways, I my role is almost done. Uh, in that I've made the film and it was all about getting it out into cinemas and it's out in cinemas today, it's out on digital today. Yeah. Um, but I've spent this morning packing um, merch to the, the people have ordered. Um, I do all the merch um, and the social media and, and most of it. Um, well, so you do a brilliant job of that. I don't mean to interject, but the social media, as I say, how you keep people perpetually engaged, it, it's wonderful. You've done a, an, an unbelievable job of that. Well, it's only been seven years. Uh, well, well, uh, it's a bit, a bit, a bit cumulative, then, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> seven, seven years worth of social media. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a minor thing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 you know, <laughs> it, it has been a really long road to um, to research it, digitize Chris's entire life because everything was analog, raise the money, um, keep it going, direct it, edit it, do the social media, do the merch. It, it's been. It's been a long time coming, and today's, you know, for me, today is the day that it's, this is the start of its release. You know, it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray in like a month's time, um, and then, you know, after that, it's, it's just out, you know, and this whole seven-year build-up to this moment is done, and the film is out, it exists, people can see it in the future if they're still interested in it in the future, um, and... Um, legacy, legacy... Yeah. Check mark next to that box. Fantastic. I mean, again, I feel privileged to be talking to you on on, on release day itself because this must be a palpable sigh of relief for you. I mean, maybe, maybe tonight when you when you get home after after what you what uh, what tons of work you've still got left today, maybe you can have a nice drink and, and, and reflect and say, "My God." Thanks. Well, tonight tonight I'm actually in um, Chapter in Cardiff, which is my local uh, like art house independent cinema. Yeah. Um, where I used to work as an usher. Oh, brilliant! Come on, tickets. So I'm doing a Q and A there tonight and showing the film on the day it comes out nationwide. Magic. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a special thing. So it, you know. Well, I've learned a lot about you and the, the stuff that I didn't know beforehand of the comic book store. Uh, um, career and uh, and what what they call over here a movie house that that would uh, that uh, says a lot about you as a chap. <laughs> it doesn't take an awful lot to join the dots in terms of what influenced you as a child and as a, and as a youth. Now, yeah. now, now when you, when you were trawling through these these boxes and boxes, of course we've, we've talked an awful lot about uh, about Frank, but we're also there's also Freshie's material and and uh, pre pre Frank material. Is that is that just quite simply, and I don't expect a massive answer because I know that uh, it's a complicated question in itself. Um, but there must be still a litany of material there uh, that could technically be released uh, from both the, the Frank Stable and, and the Freshest Stable. Yeah, we're, we're talking about a guy who made probably over thirty albums exactly. in his lifetime, and um, 
I mean, my, my role in this um, whole story is coming to an end, but um, where I've tried to leave it is that the CD family themselves are able to keep releasing stuff into the, you know into the future. So all all of that material they they are now looking at and going, how do we get this back out there? Um, not, either either re-releasing his his records, his albums, um, or releasing stuff that he never even released in his lifetime. I mean, there's probably like four or five albums worth of material yeah. that he recorded over the years. You know, as Chris, not not even as Frank, and he just didn't release it. Um, because Chris is a creative person, kind of ceased to exist publicly uh, once he became this character Frank Cybottom. But he didn't stop making work as Chris, um, as the film kind of shows. Um, but it's, yeah, so it's it's kind of, the, another plan from the CV family is to keep is to keep releasing stuff, uh, new new merch and new new all kinds of things for as long as people are interested in these two, these two creative titans. Oh, that's wonderful. That that really, really is because I I would just love people to have access to the vinyl and flexes that I've collected as a completist over the years. I I, I know that people prize the CD compilations that are out there, but of course, the official material alone. There's so much on vinyl that isn't on CD that people have a devil of a time getting hold of. And then of course the intangible amount that you've just touched upon here in, in terms of what. Could... Yeah, and as, and as well as all that, there's cassettes galore. You know, all the way through the 70s, he was releasing cassettes on on you know in a in a completely indie DIY way where you would order one from Chris Seavey and he would just run off another copy and post it to you. That's it. Um, you know, it's it's as lo-fi and as cottage industry as it's possible to be, but he was doing his own DIY indie record label way before most people that we associate with the birth of like DIY culture in Britain, like from the punk era and stuff. Well, Chris was doing it like 74, 73. Um, he, was, he was just doing it already. You know, it was his instinct to just create and put it out to whoever was interested. Marvellous. And again, if you've got anything that's uh, that's hand-drawn as I'm lucky to have, the love and attention he put into everything, whether it was a cassette cover or uh, just, just some scribblings. It, I, I would just love to have been uh, a webcam, <laughs> just to watch the man for a couple of hours, because I'm sure that he just just didn't sit still. I don't think he slept. No. Um, I mean, he just, he just from multiple people told me, that he barely ever went to bed. You know, he would just stay working through the night, he could work it all the next day, he was working through the night, he was working all the next day. And he just he just did that on instinct. That's what he needed to do. I think for him it was just about coming up with a creative idea, whatever it was, whether it was as Chris Seavey or as Frank Sidebottom. Um, and for him it was just about communication with people. It was about communicating that idea to somebody. And if, so if he ended up having an audience of one, um, or an audience of 50,000, I don't think he was really that bothered. Um, it was just about him doing his own creativity on his own terms and putting that out to the world. And whatever the reaction is, that's that's the reaction. And usually the reaction would baffle them. Because um, <laughs> cause a lot of his statements are so, well, I mean, how willfully obscure can you be, uh, you know, other than um, creating a... a, a another persona and hiding behind that, you know, um, people just had no idea what was going on most of the time. And he obviously liked it like that, you know, he liked to be obscure, but it was still his pure communication. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and 
I love the I love the usage of the the, the terminology willfully obscure because that's exactly what it is. But I think the willfully obscure became just uh, habitually obscure, then just became completely organically obscure over the course of time. Yeah, and then uh, and then uh, you know, in context and in hindsight, it becomes a creative statement. That's what he was. That's what he was doing. That's how he wanted to do it. You know, he never did anything with any compromise. He did it exactly as he wanted to do because he was in charge of his own medium, his own statement. Um, how it was released, um, yeah, it was just, um, he's, he's unique, he's an absolute unique, he's two unique people. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I was going to ask you, if, if um, I'm going to be playing some tracks uh, around this feature, because um, I want to supplement it with, uh, with uh, some, some wonderful Frank and Chris audio, could, could you pick two uh, Frank tracks that, uh, that you're particularly keen on that, that you'd like me to play around this feature? I mean, I could pick anything myself, of course, but I'd, I'd like you to pick two if that's all right. Well, I, so, I definitely love Hey You Street Artist. Brilliant. Um, because that totally, he is the street artist. Um, and um, I've always loved Frank's version of Wild Thing. Oh, of course, well. There's so, there's so many you could choose. But, um, of course. Or, or if you want to get regionally obscure, um, his version of Blackpool Film is um, tremendous. Well, there you go. I'll stretch, I'll stretch it to three. There you go. And uh, what about uh, a, a Freshies track? I'll play, I'll chuck a Freshies track in there as well. It's got to be no money. Okay. Um, because that is his yeah. philosophy. Um, set to music. You know, the, I mean, the, even, the, even the lyrics, you know, it doesn't matter whether you, you won't make any money out of music, um, but do it anyway. You know, that's, that's, his, that's his, like, the absolute root of, of the man and his DIY approach. I don't need your um, uh, uh, permission to do my creativity. I don't need your money to do it. I'm just going to do it anyway, regardless of the consequences. And it's, to me, it, no matter if someone has that attitude, no matter what medium they're working in, it's just heroic, you know, because it is it is hard to keep going as a creative person. Oh, yeah. you do you do need money, you do need support, and he just did it anyway, you know. Well, he was the ultimate punk when you think about it. Yeah, he totally is, and I think I think Frank Frank himself is a really punk act, you know. It is, um, well, you know, what could be. Punk than wearing a fake head and just and just amusing your audience until they see if you can upset them a bit. Yeah, um, and, and totally eschewing yeah. the regular industry. I mean, didn't have normal distribution channels. Didn't didn't uh, didn't didn't sign to any labels uh, apart from you know reissues of Cherry Red. I mean, Intake was a tiny tiny label. So it's yeah. uh, everything about the ethic was it, it was very chumbawamba, if you like. It was almost agitprop. <laughs> it's almost yeah. almost fringing on that. Yeah, and it's and it's what and it's the era that he comes from. It's the seventies, you know, and it's the birth of all of that. That you can make a record now. It is possible. You can post that to somebody yourself. You don't need a big company who would censor your work um, to be able to do it. I mean, now you know, with the internet, we take we take that kind of DIY culture totally for granted. Everybody's exactly, recording yeah. music and putting it on the Bandcamp, whatever. But this. You got to remember, if you listen to it, this, predates that by decades. It predates it to, to a time where you had to post about to people individually, yes. um, and he even turned that into a performance for his fans. I mean, somebody emailed me once and said they got a record in the post from him, like one of the freshest singles, and, and they didn't play properly, so they sent it back to him and got it back like the next day um, with uh, with a note from Chris saying we we've had a uh, my technicians have had a look at this. <laughs> and they say that it plays fine, but he snapped it in half and sent it back. 
Um, <laughs> and then a day later, they got a brand new copy with a note going on with Jack Kent, here's another copy. So, you know, whatever profit he would have made out of selling that one single, he put back into just entertaining the person who complained, um, you know, and winding them up. Um, but that's, that's totally the nature of the man. Yeah, I, I don't think again. Another another thing that I, that I struggle with because it's so subjective is I can't think of anything in my in my life an, an artist that I have followed so so closely. And uh, the only one I can think of that, that, that perpetually surprised me. And of course, you might think it's an obvious one, but uh, Marky e. Smith was my musical my musical uh, yardstick, whereby you would wait with bated breath every eight or nine months for a new for a new fall record. Yeah. In, in as much as I would do the same thing with Frank, knowing that in completely two different capacities, I knew I would not know what I was in for. Yeah, yeah. That's essential. Yeah, you know, a totally unpredictable creative people. Yeah. Um, you can't guess where that mind was going next. And, um, and it tells it's going it somewhere. makes you wonder what's in the water down Presswich Timperley Way, doesn't it? Yeah, I, well, I know what's in the water. It's beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's riddled with ale, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask you because we've talked about Chris, we've talked about um, we talked about Frank. I just want to talk about Steve because I mean your uh, your videography starting all the way back in sort of '97 with some shorts, and then you did some work with with, with Jim uh, Jim Noy uh, for, for Quiet Man, which which is brilliant, by the way. Um, and, and then of course. You've done uh, done a, a few more shorts and a couple of documentary shorts, of which one is the one you've talked about uh, just about uh, twenty minutes ago, which was the the the, the Timberley tour. Yeah. Uh, so you did Happy Hours before you did uh, this wonderful release today, the Chris Seabee story. Being Frank, what's next yeah. for what's next for you uh, apart from a, a well deserved rest? That's that's a that's, given. That's that's the only point I can kind of look towards at the moment. It's right. Like a break. This, I've never made a piece of work which has been all-consuming okay. to the extent that this has. Um, and I've, I've still got like at least another month or so of promoting this film, doing Q&As at different cinemas around the UK. Um, so there just hasn't really been, um, no pun intended, there hasn't been the headspace to, to, think, to think about the future. So it's for me, it's, it's literally get to June and then collapse and, and uh, you know, have a lay down in a dark room where there's no cardboard puppets, papier-mâché heads, um, nobody with a nasal Mancunian voice, and... Um, shut up. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah, oh, shut up, stupid. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just work it out from there. Um, okay, yeah. that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad, because I was going to say, if you've got something, oh, I've got the next projects lined up for July, I'm thinking, okay, you're getting into CV territory, you need to take a break. Yeah, no, I really do. Actually, I mean, I, I've reached, I have reached a point where I physically need a break and, and mentally, yeah. So, um, so that's what I'm going to do. I've marked that time out. And, Fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, if ever you uh, you decide to spread the gospel in Canada, you have a, a base here in Ottawa. Should you wish to take advantage of it, it. Uh, it, I'll, be uh, the, I'll be over next. There you go. Just pop over. Well, well you, you've, <laughs> yeah. got to, you've got to get to June first, so maybe I'll see you in July. But um, June, June the second. June the second. <laughs> I was going to ask you one last question, which is completely unrelated, but I ask I ask everybody this, and I was wondering, actually, I'll, I'll I'll add another twist to it in a second. But what I ask everybody is, hypothetically, you are around my place after a successful gig or otherwise, hot beverage in your hand, and I come out of the pantry with the magic biscuit tin, and I, and I yeah. say, Steve. What bicky on God's green earth would you choose given complete complete carte blanche? What would you choose? Yo-yo. Nice work, fella. That's great. Yeah, yeah which, which 
I, I don't know if all your listeners will know, you can't get them anymore. I know. You can't, get, you can't get your yo to change the name to Viscounts. I know. And, and, and ever since then, it just wasn't the same. I think, the, 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 isn't the, doesn't the mint taste differently in the Viscounts? It, it annoys me to the point whereby it's not even remotely similar to the yo-yo. It's, um, I don't know why they did it. I really can't answer it, but they broke all of our hearts. Um, it could have been... They stopped, clogging, they stopped clogging my heart that day. So, <laughs> yeah, um, well, they lost yeah. a punter, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that was a terrible transition. Yeah. But we're, we're going to go, as I say, it's a time machine, so you can go back and get the original yo-yos, which is f phenomenal. Uh, here's, 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 here's a question which, of course, has no right or wrong answer, but if, if what do you think, if I was to hypothetically ask Sidebottom, yeah. now, what, what do you think he'd choose as a big or would he go for an Eccles cake or something like that? Uh, he would have wanted some Twiglets, I think. I don't think he would have wanted a biscuit. Okay. Um, he, he was a big Twiglet, big Twiglet man, Frank Saibon. Um, yeah. used to love him. Um, which, uh, which is a very repellent, savoury snack. But he was, he loved it. He loved lard as well. Um, so maybe you've got like a lard biscuit or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stretch the gamut here to include lard. I could probably stretch it to the twiglet, but... Uh, How about a lard-based biscuit? Yeah, a lard-based biscuit. Yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a lard-based biscuit with some bacon and, 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 uh, and some fried bread and the whole lot. But yeah. so, so I'm just delighted to, to, to have this opportunity to talk to you, Steve. You know, we've, you know, we've been chatting for years on and off, and, and if there's any, anything that the show can do, we'd love to do some further promotion. But right now, you lot listening, you're very lucky to be privy to, to for this chat with Steve, and if you've not got uh, not got the film, I'll provide all the details uh, for you by which to order it uh, and get your hands on it. And today is release day, so wonderful stuff, Steve. You're a diamond. Thank you so much. I hope that you managed to get a bit of rest before you have to go and do uh, your next round at the, at the cinema later this evening. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. But also, you know, just to say as well as a Kickstarter backer, thanks for supporting the film. Thanks for putting your own money from your own pocket into this to make sure we actually got off the ground. Well, so, that being that being said, all of us thank you immensely for, for what you've done. Uh, it, it's it's a wonderful project, and I'm not just doing the proverbial proverbial blowing smoke thing here. It's uh, it's legitimate. It's it's a wonderful project that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into. It's a singular project, and even if even if none of what I'm talking about and Steve's talking about resonates, the essence of what he's put together here is phenomenal. It really, really is. So so huge kudos to you, and uh, let, let's hope that this continues its trajectory. Pleasure. All the best. Take care. Cheers. Ciao. Being Frank Movie That is where you need to go. That is where everything is happening. If you uh, want to buy the film, digitally download it, get the DVD, go and see it if you're back home in, in the UK. Lots and lots of options. Go to the mega portal that is being Frank Here's Blackpool Fool. It's British summertime. And now that I'm responsible, I'm 35 I've set out on my own feet to roam a bit like Indiana Jones And I'm feeling quite alive The northwest coast is calling me But I can't say what Because this is a family LP Oh, I'm on my way to Blackpool I go there every summer Blackpool I don't make conscience or short to keep 
with interspersed lifeguard swimming belts For the benefit of paddlers who wait too deep Because of insta-poency when someone gets the coast gone up for help Oh, they don't have sharks, they do have oysters But I myself prefer wealth Oh, I'm on my way to Blackpool I go there every summer as a rule
Well, we got to all Steve's requests, didn't we? In order, you heard Hey You Street Artist, Wild Thing, Blackpool Fool, all by Frank Sidebottom. And then that last track was by The Freshies, that's No Money, probably uh, one of the second most uh, favourite tune by most of, of, of Chris's and, uh, and The Freshies. And uh, one more song, actually, to play for you, a bit of a bonus. I stumbled upon it today. I didn't even get a chance to talk to Steve about it because um, I spoke to Steve uh, several days ago and I only found this song today after having been a, a, Frank, uh, a Frank fan almost from the beginning. Very hard to say right from the beginning because he started off uh, rather, rather uh, even more DIY than DIY, if that's at all possible. Um, now, Do the Frank Side Bottom is a, uh, a song by Ventures Mania off the 2011 LP, Bound and Sidejacked Again. And to add a little bit of mystery and, and magic to the whole thing, it's a surf record. the Frank side bottom. Well, I think we just did, didn't we? That's by Ventures Mania from 2011, off the Bound and Sidejacked Again LP, which I found today. But no idea of its existence prior to uh, this morning. Now, that's a wrap. That's a wrap indeed for show number 121. My thanks go to Steve Sullivan. What a geezer he is. What a diamond of a man. And uh, he's worked feverishly to put out this wonderful documentary which is unparalleled in my opinion being frank and um, my thanks are obviously extended to yourselves duh of course they are and uh, i'd like to impress upon you that uh, we're on patreon we being me being near perfect pitch so in lieu of adverts if you wish to make a monthly contribution you can at patreon.com slash near perfect pitch 
Please spread the word of the program. Need more listeners. More listeners are always good. People of musical taste who can appreciate and those who you think might uh, be in need of some uh, some decent musical defibrillation. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it, really? So in the meanwhile, look after. I'll be back next week with uh, interviews with Steve Wynn and uh, also with Imperial Wax, another treat. So that's 122 next week. This has been 121. Look after, be nice to each other, be safe. Ta-ra.